All right, everybody. Uh, I'm joined today by Neil Sanders. He is, uh, in my opinion, probably um, one of the world's foremost experts on mind control. He has a degree in psychology, and um, he is the author of many books, including Your Thoughts Are Not Your Own, and a recent book on Cambridge Analytica. Um, and I will bring up so everybody can see his website. His website is neilsandersmindcontrol.com. And you can see all his different works here. You can buy his books. And you can also get a, po uh, a podcast of his recent book on Cambridge Analytica. That is neilsandersmindcontrol.com. So, Neil, I hope I did a good uh, introduction for you. If there's anything else you'd like to add, go ahead. No, 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 it was wonderful. Thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, I think the first thing I probably want to ask you about is uh, your research into mind control. Um, this is something that I've been looking at for a while, um, but I'm not sure how many people, members of the general public are aware of how pervasive these mind control programs are. Uh, in my opinion, this is sort of like a global phenomenon. It's not limited to just like the United States. Oh, no. Uh, no, 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 not certainly. In fact, um, I mean, there's various types of, of mind control going on all the time. I mean, you've, you've got sort of sort of lower level things that sort of people will be familiar with, like advertising, for example, or, you know, aspiration of advertising, um, celebrities uh, endorsing products and stuff like that. So that you go, you know, oh, brilliant. Like if I get these shoes, I might be a little bit like Michael Jordan and be able to play like him or whatever. Um, but when it comes to sort of um, what we'd consider sort of, you know, espionage type mind control and stuff like that, there's, there's a lot of that going on all the time. There's sort of, there's several levels of it. One, you've got sort of home governments who are basically usually trying to spin narratives to in order to sort of like cover stuff up or to spin stuff in a specific way. It, essentially really to either sort of like, you know, get their way in a sort of you know business sense or in a, a war sense or something like that um uh, and then the the other end of it is you've actually got other countries basically spinning mind control about other countries for example i'm sure that, like people have been made aware of the concept that that russia like uh, you know sort of spreading disinformation and stuff like that in the uk and uh, in in um, in america and a lot of that interestingly like is is actually subterfuges to disguise the fact that the, the UK and the American uh, uh, governments are doing that. But at the same time, you'd be completely naive to, 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 to think that that wasn't going on. And this is, this is just one of the things. And it's the, the mind control that we've got nowadays, um, it's moved on from sort of, um, we're not really talking about sort of Manchurian candidates, although I'm sure that that sort of thing and that sort of technology still exists. Um, uh, we're really talking about sort of like creating narratives. Um, this this is sort of tied in with the, the concept of sort of like um, social media and, and the fact that basically you know everybody lives their life as as a more of an avatar really than than the real person because basically you're you're spending more time on social media than you are in in sort of the real world because you're interacting with all these people. You've got all these different sort of like you know bit shoot and stuff like that. Uh, all these different nodes that are going out on and basically 
you've got a slightly different identity on social media and fundamentally what what the sort of mind control that's happening at the minute which a lot of people don't realize is that it's the, those sort of those those narratives and those those roles that you're taking on for yourselves and specifically because it's story driven and it's about spreading information and, and, and truth and stuff like that that's being hijacked that's being completely hijacked to the point where basically what we've got is is a sort of mimetic warfare that's going on whereby um it's about controlling the narrative and this isn't actually a new um concept um there's a there's a concept called painting uh pictures in people's heads um and the the idea of that is that basically like most people don't they have an informed view of the world. They've, they've never seen like a Komodo dragon in real life. You've seen it on the telly or it's been described to you or whatever. You've never seen a terrorist in real life. It's, it's been described to you. You've never actually met a communist. It's been described to you or whatever. Okay. So the idea um, was put, put about that basically um, if you can paint those pictures, if you can get in uh, and describe what those things and, and and be the font of that informed knowledge right at the beginning, then people will react based on that principle. Like um, it was uh, it was Walter Lippmann who said, basically, if a gentleman finds a lump of uh, yellow metal that looks like gold, but isn't gold, if he doesn't know, he'll act like it's gold. And, and he basically went on to say, like, if we if we point, if we were to put the edge of the world on all the maps, somebody would go looking for it because we've created that that sort of that through line that narrative and, and and this is what's happening with with um people's online personas people are being fed information it's an information war uh, and part of that is again is about building these sort of like characters and these these ideas and these assumptions in people's heads so that basically you've already got an embedded idea that like you know I don't know what's the idea that well basically that you're under threat or that basically that that you're being attacked in some way and therefore you're you're in a war setting and it's your job as your character online is to just to go and spread this information the problem is where does that information come from yeah i think that's uh very true you know um i think about uh social media and I believe the entire thing from the beginning was created by these intelligence agencies um, as cutouts. You know, part of the reason I think that they would do this is for surveillance purposes. You think about how much information about our private lives people put online these days. And I mean, it's pretty terrifying. There are people who put their, like from the time their children are born, they're documenting that child's entire life through social media. And it's, imagine, you know, if you're an intelligence agency like the CIA, you don't even have to waste the resources to go surveil these people. They're doing it themselves. And the latest technology they have is like Ring, um, Flock, Nextdoor. These are um, private cameras people are putting up in their own neighborhoods mm. on their front doors. And they're sort of creating this surveillance grid and network that these intelligence agencies can tap into. They're also encouraging things like, uh, in a way it's like self-policing. Since these ring devices came out, uh, police agencies have said they've been inundated with like videos from people that concerned about a suspicious car in their neighborhood and stuff and mm. that is so creepy to me 
And um, I've looked into things like InQtel, right? The CIA's venture mm. capital firm that has funded a lot of these social media companies. And at the same time, they're still referred to as private companies. So you can't really hold them accountable. There's, you can't file a FOIA request or something with a private company to find out what they're doing. Yeah, this is it's all very, very true. And the thing about um, InQtel, this sort of the famous guy from InQtel that was involved with it is Peter Tile of um, Palantir fame. But, but you're absolutely right. You see, it's one of these bizarre things when you've got like um, security cameras. Like I know it's an exaggerated sort of example, but but basically it it breeds the paranoia. Like, you know, in Scarface at the end, where basically he's got cameras everywhere, but because he's got cameras everywhere, he feels he's got to be watching all the cameras all the time. And so it, it's a bizarre thing where basically it, it highlights it, you're looking for danger, aren't you, basically, because because it's been sort of made prescient in, in your mind. But, but going back to sort of your original point about um, it being a surveillance operation, I, I, of course it's a surveillance operation. I mean, if I was to walk up to a stranger in the street and say, excuse me, what is your name? Where do you live? Can I have a photo of your child? I'd like to see a picture of you in a bikini on a beach, please. When's your birthday? What music and what films do you like? They'd probably go, you're being a bit creepy, to be quite honest. I could find that, I could find that about most people without them even knowing I'm finding it out just by sort of, you know, browsing through people's friends on Facebook and going along and looking at their account, looking at their account. It's a stalker's dream. <laughs> but in the sort of, you know, in the broadest sense as well, it's, it, what people don't realize is, is the amount of data that you are actually giving over because it's been so normalized. Um, it, to the point where basically it's a bit of fun, isn't it? You know, getting our opinions out there and telling us and getting our allegiances and, you know, getting into a bit of a row, a bit of a debate and stuff like that. It plays on, on vanities that everybody's got and, uh, and annoyances that everybody's got because these, these those memes that basically go by it's like you can see something online um, and just uh, disagree with it and just scroll by and it's like of course you can but but that's the point of this medium it's there to go to poke you and poke you and poke you and and to evoke a response and every time you do anything online or any time you do anything with a device and that means basically even having a device in your pocket um there's huge, huge amounts of data that's being collected about you. I mean, let's let's just forget about the fact that, that well, no, let's not forget about it, but like your phones are listening to you and um, you, your laptop's listening to you and um, your iPad or whatever's listening to you. Um, it, mostly they say for advertising preferences and stuff like that. But again, that, that that's the sort of the first step. And that's hideous aside from anything else. That's, that's, that's really monumentally invasive and creepy. But basically, you've got GPS devices, so everybody knows where you are. All your banking systems are essentially basically digital now, so people know what you're spending, what you're buying, how regularly you buy. They'll, they'll probably, there'll be certain tracking things on your car because of things like ANPNR, which is basically, um, uh, you know, license plate tracking to make sure that you've got sufficient road tax and stuff like that. The culmination of all these little incremental things is that basically two things. One, it's pretty difficult to be anywhere without somebody knowing where you are 
um, and what you're doing. And two, when you've got information about people, it's far easier to categorize them. And once you can categorize people, you know how to manipulate them and to drive them. And, and in a number of ways, one, because basically, if you're in this particular category, we know the sorts of things that you like. We know the sorts of things that you don't like. We know the sorts of things that will get you angry. We know the sorts of things that will make you happy. And therefore we can use that to manipulate you. But also, once you are in this categorization, there's a very, very strange thing of sort of self-regulation that happens. And it's not just to what you're saying with this kind of, um, um, uh, the ring thing, people sort of reporting more crimes and stuff like that. Once you're in a group, there, there tends to be a, a want to keep that group cohesive. Um, and any examination on the the sort of the principles or the foundation of that group or any critique of that group, no matter how uh, gentle, starts to, to, to sort of tug at it. And particularly because th there's another thing, in groups, people get psychological comfort. It, it basically, it's really nice to know exactly what's happening in the world uh, and who's on the right side, and who's on the wrong side and blah, blah, blah. So if you come along and join this group and start pricking at it and basically go, I'm not sure that's true. I don't think that this is accurate and start to, to pull on that string before you know it, the entire sort of tapestry that is their reality is started to, to, to disintegrate. And so this is the, the, the sort of the multi-level way that data and, uh, and, uh, and understanding how people react to certain situations can be used against you. And, and again, nine times out of 10, people don't even realize that this is happening to them. Oh yeah, I think that's true. Um, I can look back uh, probably during the past election and see how people do this. You know, it's really easy to control people if you can break them into little groups, right? And each group goes into their um, silo, right? Their particular echo chamber. And then everybody within that echo chamber are people who are simply confirming each other's bias. Um, and, uh, just kind of sharing the same information and stuff. And you're not really being exposed to other points of view and no one's really challenging your assumptions about things. So you can see very easily how, for example, um, from the Snowden documents, we know what the NSA and JTRIG do. They can mm. send people into these groups to sort of agitate uh, to kind of steer the narrative in these groups. And anytime, as you're saying, someone might try to question these things or push back on it, um, they're going to be attacked and uh, sort of called the shill or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And it doesn't even have to be uh, a person anymore. It's often sort of a sock puppet account because these bots are so sophisticated now that they, they basically have sort of artificial intelligence learning protocols in them that basically allow them to sort of mimic speech and to uh, form a personality is too strong, but it, but it gives the indication, it's sort of literary techniques, you know, things that are used in, in, in uh, sort of like, you know, fiction books and stuff like that to establish character. It's that kind of thing. Basically, the, the, they'll, they'll use it so that you don't realise that you're speaking to uh, a programmed response. I mean, we've all seen the really, really crap ones, right, okay, that you get through right. your sort of... Um, uh, you know, your messenger on Facebook. Hi, 
hi, how's it going? Have you heard about this? I won this money and you you are also on the list. I saw your name and all this, you know, they're, they're, they're not particularly sophisticated, but but there's lots where that basically you, you really wouldn't uh, be able to, to tell. And and again, like manipulation of, of um, uh, social media and online was really the sort of was, as you say, like um, GCHQ had Jade Trick um, and the the USA sort of intelligence agencies, various sort of you know um, different different agencies have had loads recently. Well, it was all in the sort of like early early two thousands really, and they were, they were, but principally what they were involved with was how to take over narratives online, how to get onto um, so threads on Reddit and um, stuff like that, and and learn how to direct the conversation and how to sort of it's basically like. It's almost like a sort of like electronic beer hall putsch, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like they, they, they've got the, they're learning. Here's the thing, this is why they started with gamers and stuff like that, right? Because basically you've got an established group who have their own community and it's very insular. Like you're either in it or you're not in it. Okay, but this is the problem with communities. Like bizarrely, people are, are easier to come to manipulate in large groups because everyone wants to sort of go with the, the flow, so to speak, and they don't want to sort of cause that schism, blah, blah, blah. It's easier to sort of like manipulate a crowd than it is two people, because they'll just, you know, they'll look at you like this, whereas a crowd, you know, once you've got a section of them, it, it becomes hypnotic. It's, um, it's called de-individuation, where basically the, everybody takes on the uh the attributes of the crowd and the reason that they take on the attributes of the crowd is because it alleviates any decision making responsibility and th this is why basically people perfectly sensible people get caught up in riots and like you know hockey fights and stuff like that because oh everyone was doing it i don't know why i just lost my mind and i, and I just did it but so they've had programs like you know um, smisc and sentient worlds um uh, sentient worlds program and Earnest Voice and various other sort of uh, programs that have, that have either been designed to figure out how to manipulate people online, how to sort of like change the um, uh, the direction of conversation, or to specifically alter people's mood. I forget what that one was called, but basically they, they got caught on the, the the American intelligence agencies got caught. I think it was um, I think it was DARPA was doing it. I may be wrong about that. And it was on Facebook specifically. And the whole point of it was they were trying to manipulate emotion, see if they could make people angry or see if they could make people um, sad or see if they could make people happy. And they actually got, they got caught doing this. And so th this is the point they've, they've been mucking about with, with ways to manipulate people on, on social media for a, a long time now. Um, and, and that is, as I say, the, the, the new, Sort of line of attack, I I think, and it, and it ties in with with the sort of the mechanism of uh, of social media because as you, as you quite rightly said, most of them were started like even the ones where they pretend that they weren't. There's a significant amount of like you know CIA or elitist funding. I mean, there would have to be like because of the money involved. But basically, you've got people like Sean Parker who's connected to the CIA, and he's he's to do with, I think it's PayPal and Spotify, You've got Peter mm -hmm. Thiel who's connected to Facebook. Um, and um, it, the, the, the point is that basically when they were designing it, the, the mechanisms that they were using to design it were, were very similar to gambling. It's using social information to get 
dopamine responses in the brain. And they knew this. They, they knew exactly what they were doing with it. The, 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 the makers of, of this, of Facebook particularly, had come out and said, yeah, that's the point. The algorithm is to keep you in the game. Facebook's a game. It's to keep you in it, keep you playing forever. Because then they're getting out, you know, aside from the data and stuff like that, which they also sell, it's, there's a lot of money made of advertising and stuff like that. Um, but because, because it works like gambling, what you tend to do is you tend to sort of gamble with the social information. So basically you'll say something, you'll put something down and that likes, that gives you a, a rush that the, the, the sort of the, the, the disapproval might lead you to sort of cater your output because you're learning what, what, the public like, and this is the other problem, is that basically you've got um, an audience. You've got an audience who is going to dictate whether you've got value, <laughs> whether you've got validity, right? Because if, if you don't have an audience, well, what's the point? And if you don't have an audience repeatedly telling you how brilliant you are, then you've clearly failed in some way. So, so this is the point and people feel driven to it. The anonymity that you, you have from, from not being online, everybody's done this you speak to people on facebook and on twitter in a way that you would never dream of speaking to people in real life in two ways one you're more aggressive and two because of the fact that you're typing uh it's more abrupt and you lose that humanity you lose the um you lose the body language you lose the inflection and tone of the voice and so basically we've all got into arguments but just by hang on we're arguing I don't know why we're arguing. It's because somebody's misread a, a, a thing or something like that. And I'm sure we've all basically lost our temper on there and, and said something that, again, you wouldn't say in real life. But that's, that is the point, that this is the mechanism. And this is the schism as well, because basically not only do you, you have an audience, but you're on your own. You're isolated. And the only thing that is sort of like stopping that, that isolation, the real isolation, um, is, is this audience and this response and this reaction that you're getting. It's like, now here's a weird thing, right? Basically the, the CIA document, the QBOP document, which is mind control and torture document, the main principle on how to make a person malleable and how to make them open to suggestion uh, and ultimately to be manipulated uh, is um, isolation and overstimulation. So the, the practical application of that would be you put somebody in a, a cell on their own uh, you know, completely isolated, and you leave the light on 24 hours a day and the faint crackle of white noise. So they've constantly got a barrage of, of stimulation, they can't turn it off, and they're isolated. Sooner or later, that will send somebody mad, like completely mad, um, because there's a psychosis in the brain. Um, that's essentially what's happening when you're on, uh, on social media, because you're isolated by the very nature that you're on your own, into your phone or whatever, but you're also overstimulated because you're not only holding down many conversations, you're thinking about the witty response that you're going to do to pwn that guy next because he's getting a bit, bit like, you know, uppity in his, like, what he thinks. And, and you've got advertisements, you've got other stories, you've got lots of things whizzing past you and stuff like that. And this is the, that, that, that is specifically why it's designed in that way to promote that sense of isolation, but also that overstimulation that basically cooks you.
That's crazy. Um, but I can definitely testify that this is true. Um, since I've been banned from Twitter, I have felt so much better. <laughs> I just don't have anxiety anymore, you know, and I've really thought about how much time I would spend just mindlessly strolling through this. And also, um, as you said, sort of like getting into like, you know, these little rows with people that like you've never really met, you mm -hmm. don't really know, you can easily um, miscommunicate through these things. And I also think that social media has changed the news industry itself. Uh. Now, all of these um, news mainstream media outlets, they all have their own social media accounts. But also each journalist, each reporter has their own accounts and they all have blue check marks. They all follow each other and they sort of circularly promote one another. And it creates this very insular, uh, elitist kind of community and mentality. But also they're learning, too, how they can game the system right with their reporting. They're learning what stories um, do best with the algorithm. And it's typically stories that are very divisive mm -hmm. um, and these kinds of narratives. And so in a way, it's sort of weaponized news. Well, it's, it's not just divisive. It's, um, uh, it's the, it, it preys on your, your sort of sympathies. It, it works towards your biases as well. It is, it, they're designed to reinforce what you already believed and and it's, it's headlines now here's the thing that nobody really reads stories that's what's so frightening is is that basically we're, we're drowning in a sea of information and there's no knowledge because nobody's reading the stories everyone's reading the headlines right and there's these loads of sort of tricks with headlines for example there's this thing i forget what it's called it's like but basically like if you ever see a headline that's, that is a question like um does um, does hydroxychloroquine um, cure COVID? Question mark. The rule is no, no, it doesn't, <laughs> right? Because they, they're looking for a way to sell it. It's like, okay, if it did, or they even thought that it did, it would there wouldn't be that question mark. Like, right. basically, I just picked that 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 example. I have no strong opinion one way or another. So, but but um, but that that's that that's the mechanism. And now this all really started like probably in the 90s, I think, with the introduction of, of Vox Pops, right? You know, the sort of like, ask the man on the street, what do you think about this, blah, blah, blah. And the, the reason that they kind of did this was because it's cheap, basically. It, it makes the audience feel that they've got like a say in it and they're involved. And basically it's cheap to produce. Now there is a problem with this, that basically once you told the audience that they, they had a say and they're involved, like, it, it became expected, right? And I don't mean to sound an arse, right? But the news is there to, to be the news. It's, I don't want to know what Carol thinks about the news, right? Okay, I just want to know what the facts are, okay? Uh, like, and so, so this is the problem. The problem is that then you've got things like rolling media, you've got 24 hours to fill, right? And so you'd think, we've got all this time, we can go in depth with subjects now, can't we? Because, you know, we've got the time. No, no, you've just got 24 hours of headlines because every second is a sale moment. If someone turns it on and you're halfway through a long talk about how this thing in the Suez Canal might affect trade, blah, 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 you're not going to get people to stay on. 
So you need the rolling banners and you need this and you need to be going bang, 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 bang. And, and also, as you, as you said, like the, the insertion of personalities, like the, the, it's like these reporters, I mean, that's always, the, that's always been the case, this projection, but it used to be the projection of sort of, um, and this wasn't true, but the, the projection of, of sort of impartial knowledge do you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, just just cold, hard, blah, 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 blah. That's starting to soften um, uh, because, you know, again, you're trying to draw an audience. And, the, and then the problem is that basically you, you try and relate it back to the audience because it's a commodity rather than a, than a, a news entity. It's not interested in objective truth, really. It's, it's, it, they're now interested in truth through a lens. And more and more, it's backwards to the point where the lens is defined on what the audience will want to hear rather than, than, than what is the actual truth. And this is why you get in this, this like, I mean, it's very, very sort of polarized in, in America. You, you, you know, Fox, CNN, you've even got the sort of like OANs and stuff and Infowars and stuff like that, <laughs> Christ. The, the fact that it plays things like OAN and Infowars actually even get mentioned in the same breath as like news networks like Fox, it, it just goes to show you how entertainment based it is. Because that's the other thing that a lot of people won't admit. Um, the reason that a lot of people are drawn to, um, uh, well, let's just for, for the sake of conspiracy theories, I know that's a, a, a poor uh, explanation, searching for the truth, whatever you want to call it, right? The reason is it's interesting, it's entertaining, it fulfills sort of like, uh, it's a mystery, it's a puzzle, you're trying to figure it out. If it wasn't entertaining, most people wouldn't do it, right, okay? Mm -hmm. and, but this is the problem that basically, again, people have figured out that, and so they can pepper things. They can pepper things that tick all the right buttons. Oh, they've mentioned this and adrenochrome and babies and underground cameras and stuff. Therefore, Wayfarer shipping children. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's, but people forget as well. People are really savvy to the, to the, to, to the, um, the news media now and to, to films even to an extent. They'll watch a film, right? Something like I don't know. The first thing that came into my head is American Sniper. And some people might go, hang on, there's an element of trying to sell the military to, to me in this. You know, it's, it's soft propaganda, isn't it? Like, and same film, but the, some of the messages, Transformers, for example, the, that it was literally, it's a propaganda piece for the military. You know, oh, yeah. it, it, the, the military were involved with the writing of the scripts. The point <laughs> is explosions, <laughs> seriously, explosions and guns uh, are cool. You know where you can get them lads, the military. It's, it's really as simple as that. A lot of people are sort of like, uh, sort of savvy to that, wise to it. They can recognize it now. They're particularly savvy to sort of were until for some reason until Donald Trump arrived, were, to, were savvy to, to politicians and thinking, I'm not sure he's telling the truth on this one. And, and a lot of the time we're savvy to sort of advertising techniques um, as well. Right, you know, you can say, that's nonsense. They're just trying to sell me a product. For whatever reason, potentially because it's new, like I know it's, it's not brand new, but it's, it's still new. That's gone out the window on the internet. People think the internet is international waters, like for some reason. And they think that basically there's, there's a real 
um, lack of lack of checking, and and even to the point now, where if if a fact check agency says it's it's left, then then by definition it must be right, and it's like oh with that's too far, right? And it's just the same thing as what previously happened, sort of about five ten years ago, where people started saying if it's on the news, you know that it's not true, and it's like no. That's it's not as simple as that. And, and if you if you try this again, ties in with everything that we've, we've been saying, really, is the simplicity that people want. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to find some sort of semblance of order. So they want to know why these people are getting away with it, why this is happening, why horrific things are happening there. And it's really so that they can put it into blocks and stuff and go, OK, fine, I don't have to deal with that done and and so so this this oversimplification of of, of of stuff again it ties into that that comforting thing and and this is this is the problem again that that that's being driven that narrative is actually being driven at the minute that basically if so and so says this the opposite is true and there's, there's two problems with that one no life's not as simple as that and two who the hell is this person telling you that and what are their motivations to tell you that? And everybody seems to have, have missed that step just a, a little bit at the minute that somebody comes along on the internet from nowhere, they tell you something and you go, oh, that, that jives with me, brilliant. <laughs> and then you don't look at who this person is and whether he's got a history of lying or making stuff up or he's been a con man or he's accidentally killed people by injecting them with bleach or, you know, things like that. And mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because it's the, right. Uh, it's because people are embedded in it. It's because this is, again, the whole point of social media. It washes over you. It becomes ubiquitous. And I think everybody's probably noticed that basically, like, the, the, the isolation of lockdowns and such like that has probably driven people to, to social media more because you oh, create yeah. any interaction. But I'll guarantee, like, the expressions of behaviour on there have been far, far more extreme because it's your only out there than they have than they are usually because it becomes more important because it's all you've got but yeah. the problem again and the design of the mechanism is it's like it's it's addictive the more you use it the more you need it the more you want to use it yeah that's true you know you brought up um donald trump and i have uh, something i'd want to get your opinion on i would say before 2016 people in the if you want to call it alternative media sphere and probably the general public had kind of caught on to the two-party system not really representing them right and this the idea of like the blue team and the red team it's a really easy way to kind of control people keep people divided and um at, at the end of the day these people are working for the same corporate power it's the same lobbyists that are kind of funding them and they're not really enemies you know these politicians they go and they have drinks after pretending to fight with each other in front of the cameras and I think people had really um, caught on to that. And then 
Donald Trump comes along and perhaps it's because he's like an outsider or he's viewed as an outsider where that that sort of changed. I feel like it really brought people back into the the two party t- paradigm, you mm. know, and it also you have this sort of reaction from the left where they think this is going to we're going to have a fascist dictatorship and this and that. And then the people on the right are thinking the answers to all of my prayers are coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was genius marketing. I mean, let's just start with the idea that Donald Trump's an outsider. How? How is he an outsider? I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, like, oh, he's the benevolent billionaire, is he? The billionaire man of the people. I mean, it's it's nonsense because basically the... uh, he was never an outsider because he was backed, as you say, by the very same lobbyists that back everybody else, principally the, the Koch brothers, the, the Mercer family, um, the Heritage Foundation, the Council for National Policy. Uh, and th- that is the very deep state that he claimed to be railing against, specifically the, the sort of Heritage Foundation because of its ties to the CIA and, and such like that. But that was the genius of it, wasn't it? That basically they pitched Donald Trump as as like a sort of, it didn't make any sense as well. This is the point, right, okay? Oh, he's fighting against the deep state or this all-powerful thing. It's like, well, how's he even got on the ticket then? Right. Like yeah. none, none of it made any sense, but it was comforting and it gave you something to do. And I'll tell you what it did as well. It drew a lot of people into, into politics that yes. weren't interested in politics. And it turned, it's not politics, is it, anymore, right, okay? It's... It's sport. It's like it's your team against their team, and just there's 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 nothing that that sort of comes to sort of like common sense middle ground, um, like d- even even on the scale of sort of discussion. Um, but yeah, I mean th- this is the point that that Donald Trump was it was sold to people. But here's the, the the horrible thing is that every single aspect that Donald Trump was sold on. Because it's, it was all again slogans, wasn't it? Like you know, America first, uh, lock her up, drain the swamp, build the wall, fight the deep state. All of those slogans were designed in 2014 by Cambridge Analytica, which is the you know the the British MI5 weapon. Um, like that's not, I'm not that's not hyperbolic. It's a weapon of MI5. You have to. It's, it's under something called export control, which means that basically you have to get permission from the British government to, to use it. And what it is, is it's a, it's, um, it's a manipulation program that basically um, dictates the outcomes of elections by using social media and or various espionage um, uh, um, campaigns in order to, again, make people either, either frightened or, or, or make them angry. Uh, and specifically what it did is basically it it, it works in, in this way. It looks at your data, it steals your data, it took all, all your sort of points. The, the, the Alexander Nix, who was the CEO, said that basically they had 5,000 data points for every single person of voting age in America. That's now, insane. Like, well, like, okay, people like to say, what? Right, okay, if I have a project that I have to scare you, right, okay, and I don't know anything about you, I've limited in my options. If I know that you're, I know two things about you, you don't like the dark, you don't like spiders. Okay, brilliant. That's something I can use. If I have 5,000 things that I know about you, 
Like, you know, what I mean, so they, they, they can they can manipulate. And so how they do is first is they steal your data. And the reason that they all buy it is to figure out what makes you tick. What, yes. what makes you, you know, what makes you angry? What makes you sad? What's going to drive you to a group? What's going to make you want to leave a group? Um, and then basically what they'll do is they'll cater advertising to you, specifically to you, that, that they know will hit your buttons. Like, um, and, uh, it, it, you know, and they'll, they'll associate it with a, a, either a client that they don't want you to like or a client that they do want you to like. Uh, and then they'll encourage you to absorb that information, make it, like take it in as fact, and then spread it. Yep. and join groups to spread it and this is aided by the bots that we were talking about before and the sock puppet accounts so this is the point they, they basically they, they, they find out what makes you tick they know they figure out what stories will make you angry they feed you those stories and make you think they're real and then they encourage you to disperse those stories to like-minded people thus coalescing groups and and basically causing that division that you said where basically you've got like extremes and, and things are going further apart and, mm -hmm. and and that's the the entire point and what they were doing basically during the the trump election the, the two campaigns that they they worked on were the, well they've been loads but the, in recent memory were the trump campaign and the campaign to get the uh, to get uh, england out of um, europe uh brexit so to speak um and but this, the, both of those things were pitched as incredibly anti-establishment. They were, they were yeah. completely pitched as, as being like, you know, stick it to the man. And the problem is that basically, aside from, again, being financed by the Koch brothers and the Mercers, they're using Cambridge Analytica to accomplish this, which is a tool of MI5. It's, it's got a list X clearance, which basically means that it's secret service uh, in, in, the, in the UK, and it's under export control, which means that it, it has to be checked with the government because it is what is considered weapons-grade communication tactics. It's a mind control program. Yeah. Uh, and so some of the stories that, that, that were popular, that, for example, in swing states, they were putting stories around, but particularly through sort of Gatestone media produced videos and through outlets like Breitbart, The Ruben Report, Ben Shapiro, anything on rebel media, who were all financed by either the Wilkes brothers, PragerU, sorry as well, financed by the Koch brothers, financed by, by the Mercers, all of these anti-establishment outlets who basically, again, create this echo chamber. So there would yes. be the stories like France has fallen to Sharia law, or that Germany was allowing child brides, or that Sweden, Sweden's an interesting one, because like, you know, when Sweden was the rape capital of the world, and now apparently, not only is it completely free of rape, but basically it's winning against COVID as well. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, fact, the idea that Sweden was the rape capital of the world, which wasn't true. The idea yes. that um, Julian Assange should, uh, uh, shown that Hillary Clinton had personally financed ISIS, the yep. idea that the Pope backed Donald Trump, the story that um, Hillary Clinton had Kuru disease, uh, which is the cannibal-induced uh, yes. uh, disease. <laughs> you remember when all of these were floating around? Like, um, well, it, it transpired that these were all created by Cambridge Analytica. None of That's them are right. true, obviously. But, yeah. but again, this is the point, is to, to create that fear and to drive you towards somebody who's going to you know, solve these problems for you, basically. And I think there's a lot of people that were taken in by this stuff, you know, mm. and didn't know. Um, 
you know, I think particularly Breitbart was very popular in, during the 2016 election. And if you oh, are sure. not, if you haven't looked into this stuff, you don't have any psychological defense to it. And a lot of these things like mimetic warfare, they work on a subconscious level. Um, it's not just like the meme itself and what you consciously understand, but it's designed to bypass the conscious mind and hit your subconscious um, in very much the same way that like sigil magic works. So, um, you know, these magicians create sigils, they meditate on them, and then they try to instantly forget them. And they think it goes into their subconscious mind and can be activated or invoked. This is very similar to what memes are doing. So it, in a way, it's like they're leveraging sort of occult uh, tools and techniques um, to totally hijack your emotions. And it's more tied to emotion than anything else. Mm. It's not like factual information or logical things that they're tying this to. It's emotional anchors. Absolutely. I mean, that's the basic principle of advertising. And this is the this is the point. Everyone's savvy to it in advertising. They've missed it when Donald Trump's doing it or they've missed it when Nigel Farage is doing it or, 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 or whoever, basically. And, and the best type of advert, the most successful advert, right, OK, or product campaign is where people go, I want that. Why? No idea. I've no idea. I just want it because it's. It's appealing to something, right? Here's how, how they do it as well, right? What they'll do is they'll appeal to something that is primal, that is instinctive to you, right? Okay, in the case of Donald Trump, it's like the fact that you're being attacked or that you're, you, you, you're not getting a fair share, right? Okay, uh, and it's also, um, it's gonna appeal to certain sort of like um, nastier things like an element of racism, um, an element of, of superiority, um, yeah. an element of um, aspirational crab bucket mentality and, and that type of thing. Like it's going to appeal to those nasty uh, elements, but it's going to justify them. Okay. It's going to justify them by saying that's worse. This is worse. Political correctness is worse. Oh my God, this is communism. It's, you know, hyperbolic nonsense like that. And again, the, the, the way that, that you can track that back to the advertising world and the, the concept of how it works in mind control, it like um, most successful, um, one of the most successful cars of recent years, right? Okay. And you could apply this to the Ford truck as well, to be quite honest, but like a Hummer, right? For example, the Hummer, very awful car, awful, right? Very successful, right? Why? Because it's a weapon because it's a weapon and everybody wants a weapon, right? Because then I can kill you and I'm gonna win because look at me, look at me on the road, three foot above everybody else. Okay, <laughs> he appeals to that, that seriously, he appeals to that, that instinctive wants to win and to be the one that, you know, the powerful one for numerous reasons, right? How do you justify that? Well, it's a tank, isn't it? My kids are gonna be safe, isn't it? Or my, my girlfriend or my spouse, I'm being responsible. Uh, and, and no, you're not. You, you want to drive around in a weapon, right? And it's the same same sort of principle. They give you that like little thing. This is right where um, and and if anybody knows me, okay, I'm I'm not politically correct by any stretch of imagination. But this concept of being terrified by political correctness, right? Okay, it's because basically 
a lot of it appeals to that I've said this to you and it makes me and, and there's nothing you can do about this. It basically, for want of a better phrase, it appeals to that nasty, spiteful element in people. And so when people like also there's a degree of what's called fourth generational warfare in this that entire scenario where basically like the whole point is to provoke to provoke i'll say a racial epithet on twitter yeah right and, and the point is i want to get banned i want to provoke a response when i get banned i can go a bit heavy-handed wasn't it don't you think that was a bit heavy-handed don't you think that was a bit... what if you said something similar to that Okay, and, and, and they and they took away your house. You know, it goes to ludicrous things. And the whole point is people have forgot what you've said. All they're focusing on is the response of Twitter to the point where they'll go, Yeah, I like Twitter doing that. And it's like, you know, the original argument's been lost. And this is done a huge amount of times, right? Okay. We're arguing about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, right? We're not talking about police brutality because you've moved it on to a different thing. And again, it's the same concept. You're provoking a response. You're provoking an over-edged response. And we're seeing that a lot from the right wing at the minute because, again, it coalesces people. It gets people. It makes people... Do you know what? It's, it's a bit sexy being a Nazi. It's a bit empowering. I know I'm being hyperbolic myself here, but I'm taking it to the very Extreme. that being superior in any way having that that ability to be cruel to people online in any way that's been weaponized because it does make you feel powerful right and here's like here's what, what i think was a brilliant example of what what like fourth generation warfare like the um people were so whipped up by this idea by this false idea this representation of trump based in lies that they were willing to storm the Capitol building live on national television with no face coverings, right? Okay. Yeah. Just pretty much ensuring they're gonna get like punished, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, why why would they do that? Because basically they were provoked to do this, right? That's okay. yeah. That's like, my thinking. When I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, the uh, veteran Ashley Babbitt that got shot through the neck. She died draped in a Trump flag. Yeah, I know. Now, <laughs> I have. I would take that a step further because I, I'm quite cynical. I think Trump. I think that was by design. I think again, what Trump wanted to do was provoke. He wanted a lot of dead white people on the lawn of the White House. That was the only reason that he was provoking people to to do that, because then he could say, "Well, you might not agree with." Um, the election results, but wasn't that a bit heavy-handed? Don't you think that was a bit heavy-handed? What if that happened to you? What if blah, blah, blah? It's the same principle. It's the same mechanism. And it's, again, you, you nailed it earlier, and I forgot about that, right, okay? It's about an emotional response, not a logical response, right, okay? There's, there's, there's no logical way of, like, following Donald Trump's policies because, basically, he lies every other sentence, and he's contradicted himself. He's gone back on every single promise, and basically, he's a complete self-serving um, uh, egomaniac. Right. And he's also corrupt and in the pocket of the very deep state that he, he claims to, to be fighting. Uh, but he, he resonates emotionally because you vicariously. Here's the stupidest thing on both sides of, of, of the political divide that shouldn't really exist because people should be wise to it. Why do you like that? Because it upsets the other side. Yes. Oh, 
that's mature. Isn't that cutting your nose off to spite your face? Don't you realize how you've been manipulated to do that? Take a step back and look, right, okay. And, and, and again, there's, there's examples on the other side as well, where basically people go, oh, oh yeah, this person said the wrong thing, right, let's destroy them. Like, you know, there's, there's schadenfreude uh, and there's, there's spite on both sides because, like, and again, it's tied back to these concepts of social media where basically everyone thinks for some reason their opinion is A, wanted and B, valid. And I hate to tell you this, right, okay, but it's not. Nobody asks for it, nobody wants it, and it's not right. Okay, now I'm not saying don't have an opinion and, and you know, you're not allowed on Twitter and stuff like that. And what I'm saying is the mechanism has been designed uh, to, to everyone's their own roving reporter. This is the point you're not you online, you're your best you, right? Okay, mm -hmm. and that was exactly what happened with the Capitol Hill riot, right? That's where the internet met reality. Why are they filming it? Why are they filming it? Because if it's not, it's not really if it's not online. Yeah. So, so, so that's not them there, right? That's their mm -hmm. avatar. That's their, their persona. Online fighter. And, and, and by the time they realize, oh, Christ, like, I, I'm here. <laughs> this it was is the me. real world. <laughs> yeah. It's far, far too late. And you, you go in prison. That's like, heartbreaking. You know, I mean, I, it really is heartbreaking to me because I can imagine. All it took to do that was a couple people agitating and saying, let's go do this. And that herd mentality, there's yeah. no critical thinking at all. Everybody's riled up and they're all on their cell phones. They're all, you know, thinking like this is Twitter or something like this is an online sort of game. And it's there's like that disconnection with reality, like that there's going to be consequences to this and you're you can't just, you know, do something like that. And so I think back to um, the Q, Q movement. Mm -hmm. And I think when I look at it again um, and I go back to the earliest post, I think that this is very similar to Cambridge Analytica and what they were doing. And yeah. I. I would bet that SCL or Cambridge or some subsidiary of them, maybe Cy Group or Wikistrat, yeah. was behind this. Yeah. And I, I also think Pizzagate as well, to be quite honest. Yes. Because it, again, it ticked all the boxes. It came at the right time. It like it was it was solely designed to cause a public furore and just smear Hillary Clinton. Like, um, and again, I'm no fan of Hillary Clinton, but like but all that stuff was just garbage. It was that's absolute nonsense. On the most basic level, the code, the code that was so blatantly invested by that white supremacist, Darren Wyand, Daryl Wyand, I forget his name. Like he, he, he worked it out microseconds after it was posted, apparently, almost as if it was him that posted it. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, it's all a con. The code doesn't work, right? You know, if you, if you put the like warlock, like blah 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 whatever handkerchief blah blah does it make a coherent sentence not once does it make a coherent sentence right and but, but people wanted to believe it why did they want to believe it because it ticked all the boxes and here's the horrible thing as well because you know all these things right you know and on right um in pizzagate even the stupid shit like all don't i mean i know it's all a bit off the wall but like that sort of wayfair stuff and blah 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 
in fact, everything where someone's been manipulated into action in a group, right? Okay, you think you're the good guy. You're a nice guy. And particularly with things like QAnon and Pizzagate, right? Okay, you're after pedophiles. It's very difficult to argue with that position. You're trying to be a patriot. You're trying to basically help the country. You're, you're a fighter. Like, this is the point. And, but then basically, so you're, you're, that's what you've been riled up. And then all of a sudden you're on, say, Capitol Hill or something. And this is the other horrible thing. You, you um, uh, mentioned it with people that are on Twitter and stuff like that. You know what they'll be getting on Twitter? Support. You go. You brave patriot. Blah, blah, blah. Because those people are living vicariously through those people. And basically they get the thrill of being able to. I was part of that. I was, you know, I was involved in this. And, and, and again, it says this is it that the entire rug is pulled from people. Um, and, and it is, it's incredibly cool. And it's, it, this, is the, this is the thing, right? It's, it's, it's sold as whatever you do, it's justified, right? It might be, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a bit cruel as shouting this, and maybe it's a bit mean as doing this, and maybe blah, 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 this is a bit extreme, but the ends are justified by the means because the opposite side is far, far worse. And that is, again, it's one of the oldest tricks in the book that they do is basically they, 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 um, they, they justify it, it by that method. And here's the yeah. crazy thing. I've recently read that terribly awful book, The Turner Diaries, which is about a sort of like, it was written, who was it by? Uh, William Pierce. And it's, again, it's, it's bizarre. It's connected to these same groups. It's connected to people like um, uh, the guy that started the, the, the Heritage Foundation, William Lind, and all these wow. complete cases, like connected to the, the anti, uh, uh, Paul Weyrich and the World Anti-Communist League. It's like proper card-carrying Nazis, not like anybody who do, like who doesn't like vegan food is a Nazi, like hysteria, like proper Nazis. Like, um, that it's so prescient nowadays because basically like that's the point the two points is this fourth generational warfare this terrorist group in it they, they're basically they're attacking the the cities and stuff like that not to uh get people on their side but to provoke such a heavy-handed response that it causes complete uh lack of coherence with the state on every single level by everybody and then the other part of that is that the end is just by the means and stuff like that and it's it's a stupid stupid book but um but the, the, the <laughs> it's it's laughable i, I kept putting it down by thinking is, is this serious or is it like spinal tap levels of satire <laughs> like um but no it's serious like it's a world that's gone politically correct mad and it's just honestly it's like alex jones's fever dream it's ridiculous but like uh, but yeah people should read that book um and realize the parallels that are going on at the minute and like how how ludicrous the whole thing is once you take a step back basically yeah but, you know but i mean but that's the point i, I, I i'm trying I, i'm not criticizing people right okay because it was it, it's very easy to, 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 to say to somebody once you're not involved in that, oh, you stupid QAnon people, blah, 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 blah. Right. And although, although I don't think it was real at all, I, I don't agree. I understand why people were pulled into it because it, yes. it basically said it made you a hero in your own lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. You don't really have to do much, but you can do something. You know, you can 
beyond Twitter and you can attack journalists online and, you know, post funny memes to their responses and stuff. And it just, you know, the other part of it is like, you, you feel like you're saving the children yeah. by yes. again, just doing something online or just sharing a certain kind of information. And a lot of the way that the media has attacked uh, QAnons and smeared them, it reinforces in their mind that like the deep state is after them. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. This this is one of the sort of strange things about say deplatforming or, or something like that because <clears throat> there's there's no it do, it can work right. Okay, there's there's certain people who basically you know lost their Twitter account and went from being incredibly relevant to sort of like you know not but more time more often than not what it does is it basically coalesces people into a sort of like badge of honor you've seen this sort of people are like if you've not been had a 30-day ban from facebook well are you even trying and, and all this crap and it's like oh for god's sake like grow up like um but 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 it does it, it this this that's that's sort of the point again is to is to drag you into that that um um, that that line of thought, so so that that you sort of you're boxed in, and again, it ties in with what we were talking about earlier. Once you're in this group, it's very difficult to go against the group because because you you're going to lose all that comfort and all that that, that security that that you've got about it. Now, and you'll be cast really out. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the thing that really gets me about this, like about the Twitter crap and stuff like that, right? Okay, like when people get kicked off or Twitter or whatever, like. I don't think it's. I don't think it's as hysterical as some people go. I don't think it's like, oh, that poor person's been cancelled. It's like, hey, you're just not on Twitter. Just don't be a, like. You can't spend all day saying that Twitter's the technocracy and then moaning that you're not on Twitter. Don't use Twitter. Like you shouldn't be using Twitter in the first place, right? Okay. Right. You, you, like you, it's it, it's ridiculous. Become self-sufficient and don't use those mechanisms, right? But here's the thing that gets my goat is that it's always framed as a moral argument, right? Donald Trump's kicked off Twitter because basically he said dangerous things. Donald Trump was saying dangerous things on Twitter uh, for God knows how long, right? Okay. And frankly, Twitter wanted him on there saying dangerous things. You know why? Because it's money. It's all about money, right? The, the reason they kick people off is when it gets to a PR decision <laughs> to the point where basically they weigh it up and go, we're going to lose more customers by not addressing this than by addressing it. So it's literally only when their bottom line and their profit margin starts getting affected that they will toss people off. And that's what gets on my nerves because it's not a, um, a moral argument by any such imagination. It's a, it's a corporate decision disguised as a moral argument. And you know, the one that gets my goat even more is Parler, right? Parler, who is pretending we're a free speech platform. We yeah, let right. you say anything. It's like, are people really that naive? That's a marketing plan. Of course, they're not going to let you say anything on there. In fact, they've already kicked people off for saying various things. And they steal your data and they sell your data and they require your social security details and a picture of yourself before you can be on a certain echelon. And it's owned by the Mercers, set up by the Mercers, the people behind Cambridge Analytica. They're just as bad as Twitter, right? 
And again, this is one of those things where people aren't very savvy to it as well. It's like, oh, they're, 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 they're completely concerned with free speech. No, they're not. It's a marketing strategy. They're going to let you do that. I'd even go so far as to say, basically, that's what they did. They encouraged, again, fourth generation of warfare, right? Encouraged people to say outrageous crap on there so that they did get banned, so that they can then rise from the ashes and come back triumphant. And then once basically you've got people on there, you'll, you'll find out that it's just the same as any other platform because they have sponsors and blah 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 etc etc and, and the, the, it's not a free speech platform at all like it, it's nonsense um yeah it's it, it, it that annoys me that again th these are all there aren't any corporations out there right bit sheets not on your side like uh, none yeah. of these things are on your side if you can use them in a successful way do right okay but but don't don't think that they they have a moral imperative. I don't really give a shit to be honest. They don't care. Like they want them. You two were gutted when they had to get rid of all the flat earth and QAnon stuff because again, it drove traffic to them, and that's what it's about. It's about driving traffic to them. So th this is this is the thing as well. There's a certain amount of delusion that happened, that's that's happening at the minute where people are like. Yeah, it's confirmation bias, isn't it? It's like, well, I'll take this part of it, but I'm not apply it to this. Uh, and it's like, well, you can't do that. You've got to do it to bury through, haven't you? So, but but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's social media, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And the Mercer family, I mean, they're um, they're very powerful. I mean, these are hedge fund like mm. billionaires, so they're not anti-establishment, and they're Ooh. funding all of these. Um, alternative uh, or conservative media yeah. rebel media breitbart yeah. dave rubin ben yeah. shapiro possibly info wars we don't really know but there's certainly but, crossover info was received money for the trump campaign so really? um uh, and just before they they definitely received party and they were definitely part of the trump campaign to to sell to a, to a different audience so i forget where i found that out but that's a fact mm -hmm. And they they got a massive production boost just prior to the like you know um, uh, uh, the, the sort of uh, the the rise of Trump, and this, as far as I remember, coincided with uh, Alex Jones's incredibly expensive divorce. So didn't Jones like? Hang on, are you, where are you getting all this extra money from, basically? But yeah, Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's the one that gets me. People think Tucker Carlson is, is the one true journalist. A, he works for Fox News, which is Murdoch, right, okay. B, like he takes money from the Cokes to basically to, to, to say what, what they want him to say. He's the heir to Swanson's like frozen dinners. He's he was a he was a multimillionaire before he was even born. The very idea that Tucker Carlson is on your side just shows how naive people are. Oh, but I like what he's saying, Neil. Why? Oh, because he's owning the libs, Neil. He's owning the libs. It's like, can you not see? How you're being manipulated like do you know what i mean like and it's again these like these like i took a carson will do it for us he's the good guy he's a, he's not a good guy there was rush limbaugh there was glenn beck there was anybody on rebel media like um uh, or um or anybody that works for bright bar like there is all establishment or well, russia today is the one that gets me people love russia today and they don't see the fact that basically like there's an element of statecraft going on there 
where oh, Russia yeah. today is like it's directly funded by the FSB and the Kremlin, right? Okay, and it has. It doesn't mean that, that not all of it is true. This is the point that is it's it all propaganda or lies. This is the point. That's how great propaganda works by making it so you don't know where truth and, and fantasy meet. But but there is state agency that's fundamentally there to cause disarray um, and distrust of Western governments. Um, and it's and it, it works because people love it. People are like turning point. That's the other one. For some reason, Candice Owens, like again, financed by the Coates and the Devos family. Terrible people. Lauren Southern, uh, Laura Luma, um, Blair White. All of these assholes. Just like terrible, terrible people. And, and you know why you love them? You know why? Why like because they're telling you exactly what you want to hear. Exactly. Because they're telling you exactly what you want to hear. And you don't say that. You don't go, oh, this person's telling you exactly what I want to hear. You go, oh, this person's ticking all my boxes. Do you know why they're ticking all your boxes? Because they knew what your boxes were, because they stole your data. It's yep. as simple as that. It's a cyclical advertising campaign, basically. And it all ties in with this concept of narratives. And like, basically, you know, oh, yeah, well, Donald Trump's a bad guy, but like, you know, at least he ain't that blood drinking Hillary Clinton. And, and again, there's an element of truth to that, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's not Hillary, not the blood drinking, but like, but yeah, he's not Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's a terrible, terrible person and would have been a terrible, terrible president, right? Um, but, but again, but, but again, it's not as straightforward as that. And just because she's, a, she's terrible doesn't mean that the person, you know, the enemy of your enemy is not always your friend, is it? Yeah, I think right? that's true. I, I, but but again, that was the that was the that was the marketing campaign, very similar to what Parler's doing now. Like you know, like rock the boat, do this, blah blah blah, and it, and it's really backfired with everyone in Brexit. I'll tell you exactly what the entire point of Brexit was. Right, it was to leave the UK in a completely stranded situation in which we are, like no sort of real meaningful trade relations with anybody. So that Donald Trump in his second term could come in and do this trade deal with, with the UK, which was basically being set up by the Heritage Foundation, via the IFT, the IEA, which are think tanks in the UK, uh, and with the help of, of Turning Point UK and Turning Point USA. Um, and, and it all went to, to, to uh, like, it all went wrong because basically the, the very last minute it came to kids in back Trump because basically he'd done everything that they needed to do. Like he, he started being so outrageous in the media, um, which appealed to his base, but was really, really turning other people off. And, you know, Donald Trump was a bit of a loose cannon, not in the sense that people think that, oh, he's sticking it to the establishment. It as in he's too arrogant to follow the script that he was told to follow. I mean, he basically implemented all the policies. There's a document called the Mandate for Leadership that the, um, it, it had about 2000 policies that the Heritage Foundation, founded by the CIA, right, wanted, to, um, wanted to be implemented. Trump implemented 75% of them. So he's done it. Like, he just, yeah, absolutely. What's the first thing that he did when he got into power? He gave the wealthiest people in America a 25% tax cut. I see all these people saying, Donald Trump didn't take a penny. 
are you serious? Aside from all the sort of like emoluments, like corruption, and basically like, you know, like uh, selling out Mar-a-Lago and like making the Secret Service pay for hotel rooms in Trump Tower and all this, like, and the influence that he's got by doing deals and stuff like that. He gave all of his businesses and all of his friends' businesses a 25% tax cut. Like, that massively outweighs any, any salary that he could have ever, ever have got. Like, so yeah. come on. Like, well, and Jared thing. Kushner um, was giving all of his businesses uh, yeah. deals. You know, he had created his own COVID like shadow task force where he brought in him and his brothers, Oscar Health, which yes. just so happened to benefit from telehealth. And so you can see, like, uh, the other weird it's, thing it's about crazy. that. Soros was funding uh, Jared Kushner. He's gone yeah. to George Soros's yacht parties and stuff. So the idea that they're like opposed to each other, I think is kind of funny. And I try to encourage people to not look at it in a political way, look at it from a money perspective, from a business perspective. Well, do you know about Black Cube? Mm-hmm. Black Cube basically being the Israeli um, arm of Cambridge Analytica, and it was used specifically to get Viktor Orban uh, in um, uh, in power in Hungary. Viktor Orban was the principal voice in Europe, making the anti-Soros noise. Now, yeah. I'm not pro-Soros, but in this, the concept is that Soros is playing the heel in this, right? Okay, he's willing to be the bad guy. So it's it's um, it's a misdirection. I'll give you an example, right, Kate? When it was said that George Soros had provided all these buses and just dropped off refugees in Germany and France, that was actually Viktor Orban that did that. And he told you that it was, uh, um, that George Soros was it. Why was George Soros a, um, a, a target of Viktor Orban? It was because Black Cube, and specifically two um, lawyers from Israel called um, uh, Birnbaum and Finkelstein, who actually are good friends with Netanyahu and actually were behind Netanyahu's campaign and got him successfully elected a number of times wow. using lies to smear the opposition. They created this campaign against George Soros to demonize him in, in Hungary and make him basically the lightning rod for everybody to go after. Because if you're looking at George Soros, you ain't looking at the Mercers, you ain't looking at the Cokes, you ain't looking at the CIA. In fact, you're actually you're providing an alibi for them by fighting the deep state, which is George Soros. That's the concept. Basically, so, so they they admitted that, that nine out of 10 things that said about him were like just not true. And particularly the sort of in regards to, to, to the European Union and such like that. Um, and they did, they, they basically created this, this, this character. One of them died, I think it was Finkelstein died, and Birnbaum basically was saying like, how much he regretted this, because a lot of it was sort of like, well, these, these are his words, like um, were anti-Semitic tropes, essentially, that, that sort of fed into sort of, you know, all the paths and stuff like that. This, this concept of the sort of, you know, the Jewish billionaire being the puppet master behind everything. And so he was specifically saying that he wasn't particularly proud of that because uh, his words, none of it's true. Like it was a creation. Essentially, it was Mossad. It was a Mossad propaganda piece that, that is, is, is the, um, is the, um, you know, the folk, to, to focus it on. And here's the thing, Soros must be in on it, at least to a oh, degree. Yeah. 
because he's involved in what's called the Atlas Network. The Atlas Network is, is, is a series of sort of like fossil fuel think tanks that are basically in places like Sweden very heavily and South America. And they're sort of lobbying powers that they're, they're used to sort of, again, cause political disruption um, in, in South America specifically, like in this particular case. So, um, no, and, and some of the nonsense they're doing in Hungary, for example, basically what, one of the things they don't realize is Victor Orban's uh, the, the most anti-Soros person in the world. Um, his education was financed by George Soros. You cannot make this stuff up. Isn't it's, it? Like, yeah. It's so ridiculous because basically, like, this is the other crazy thing. So basically they try and paint um, George Soros as, as a communist, as like a, you know, or, or trying to bring in communism. There was not a single person in the entire country and the history of the country that had done more to purge Hungary of the remnants of communism than George Soros. This is the, the crazy thing. And it shows you the power of manipulation and the power of public opinion or how public opinion can be shifted. Prior to Viktor Orban, George Soros was considered to be a benevolent hero in Hungary. Wow. And so they really, really had a hard time um, trying to flip that, that image. Um, That's crazy. And, uh, but, but, was, but was very, very successful in it. So this is like what they're doing. You know, they're running all these kinds of um, psychological operations all over the world. You know, right. I don't know if you've read the Mind War paper um, mm -hmm. by uh, Aquino and Vallely. Yeah. And it's very similar to sort of what we're seeing, um, especially as it regards to uh, Q, where it talks like Mind War Paper talks about using the truth. You know, you're not using deception to manipulate people. You're using the truth, mm. but in a way that uh, the paper itself said creates intense emotions and commitment to the goal. And the goal itself is whatever the interests of the United States government is. And that's how they sell this and the hearts and minds thing. So to me, I think, you know, there's something very interesting about that using the truth, but in a manipulative way to um, get people emotionally invested uh, yeah. in this, this narrative or this goal. And then you can really manipulate them. And it also talked about like the dangers of a failed mind war campaign where you you've they said there'd be something like social shattering because people are so invested in it they're so committed in it to it uh, and their mm -hmm. entire like personalities are based on this and it's very hard to convince people that they have been manipulated because no one wants to feel stupid no one wants to feel like they've been taken in by something mm -hmm. and uh, lied to everyone wants to think that they are above that or they're smarter than everyone else they're uh, they're woke they're the woke ones and awake so it's yeah. not possible that they could have been manipulated exactly and, and and again that's what's so very very cruel about the the QAnon thing is that basically, again, you are, it, it is this emotional thing and, and you, you're preying on, on nice people that have got nice motivations. They're, they're not, this isn't a sort of um, white supremacy thing or a religious supremacy thing or anything. It, it, you, you're, you're in a, a battle to save children. And yeah. uh, and to uh, you know and to stop the country from from going downhill, but 
as you say, they can be manipulated to the point where basically this art character that they're storming the, the, the Capitol Hill building. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very cruel because it, it, um, it gives people a purpose yeah. uh, and, and you're snatching that purpose away from them. But, 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 but again, that, that, is, that is the point because it's, it's all about emotion. It's not about um, logic. It's, it, it's, here's the thing, all right, because when, when you're in a sort of emotional state, you react. You don't sit down and think, you react. And, and you also look for somebody who's going to make that decision for you and lead you in that, 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 that particular way. And, and it's just, again, it's, it's, it's cruel. But that, that's how people are uh, very, very successfully manipulated. Isn't it? Yeah, if you look at some of these videos that um, some YouTubers have made about Q, some of these videos, like the Q plan to save the world, have millions of views. You know, clearly that was allowed to trend. But I don't know if these if people have thought about that or realized that, like, if you're against the deep state and the people who control YouTube, why are they allowing your content to trend and get millions of views? Why are you on the, the front page of BitChute? And BitChute is based out of the UK. Uh, you could argue it could be the creation of the UK government or some kind of honeypot type thing. We don't really know. But it's mm. interesting that on the front page of BitChute, it's always like a uh, Q channels and some of these channels were allowed to amass like four or five hundred thousand followers on YouTube and on other platforms like Twitter. So there's a disconnect here where if you're fighting the deep state, but you're being boosted your content and you're being allowed to get all of these followers, how does that make sense? Yeah, well, well, again, but 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 that, this is the point. There was there was numerous things about Q that didn't make sense, but there were enough. Um, even the sort of the, the concept of the crumbs and stuff like that, it's an interactive game that people are playing. That that's 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 what it was, and that's why it appealed to people so so very very much. And and here's the thing, going back to what you were saying earlier about the sort of elements of truth from the mind war thing. It's how propaganda works. It's how like if you think of propaganda as poison, right? Okay. Um, you can't, you can't give somebody a plate of poison or a vial that says poison or a little bottle with a skull and crossbones on it because they'll be desperately suspicious of it. But you can bake it into a pie or you can, you know, put it in some ice cream or something because that's the point. Like you've got to, like great propaganda is, is probably about 80% true because it's got to be tied back to something that, that has got somebody, that, you know, that gives somebody a mission really to, to be able to... Uh, uh, to, to follow up on um, and yeah it, it, it's just it's really really cool I, I see I suspect as well John Brisson who I know you know he's like um, does really great stuff at the minute like I suspect like, I think he's pretty much proved that like Flynn who was involved with Cambridge Analytica is pretty much involved with QAnon he showed me some videos the other day like the, the relationship between Infowars and, and Michael Flynn particularly Alex Jones they obviously know each other like the, the way they were reacting is like oh you guys really they were pretending like they've never met and it's like oh oh dear oh my oh dear like yes they yeah. very much know each other basically but but yeah this the yeah it, it's um it's about, I say, it's about giving people a purpose um, 
and 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 yeah it's just cruel it's just mean it's very similar to like those kinds of things that they were doing to fight isis and stuff um mm. in a way this leveraging crowdsourcing and um you know regular people in th this mission right this battle and um he he did a video just recently with about stanley mccrystal yeah. And that was fascinating because McChrystal is also tied to Cambridge Analytica, SEL, and these other uh, things. He's the one that created the defeat disinfo using DARPA tools to counter um, few people. And it's mm. like, oh, so this could be you're, you're creating and directing one side, and then you're creating the people that are going to battle them. I mean... <sighs> Problem, reaction, solution, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just sweeping up. It's you're just sweeping up different categories, aren't you? There's, but again, it's like what well, it goes directly back to what we were saying earlier. If you can easily categorize people, you can easily manipulate them. And Q was brilliant in that way because, like, first off, what it did was it, it brought people to um, politics that, frankly, aren't really interested in politics and probably still aren't interested in politics um, and to a degree um, and not everybody there'll be a large quotient of people within that that don't even understand or care about politics that they've just been drawn into the idea now Billy Ray Valentine like um, he told me about this he's like and then a guy called Richard Willett basically like clarified it for me Donald Trump is and I didn't realize this but what's the, the bloke uh the wrestling the uh, guy the wwe bloke what's his name vince mcmahon, vince McMahon. his wife daughter something like that was involved in the trump campaign now trump is being a wrestler he's specifically being apparently i don't know um but i was been told by uh, billy ray came up with this idea and he's nailed it like the way that he acts on the podium and stuff like that he's being a wrestler okay he's, he, it's something relatable to that demographic uh, he's specifically apparently being stone cold steve austin who was apparently the um this sort of anti-hero he would always go up against the establishment which is vince mcmahon apparently uh, and he would be he's a bit of a bad boy and he's not really to be trusted but ultimately you know his heart's in the right place that's donald trump this is the point that's the mechanism that they've used to appeal to a large amount of people and so to just to draw back to again the mind war thing where it's saying the warning about when this goes out of control like it is out of control. There's certain people that will never be convinced that Q is not a thing. Doesn't matter what deadlines go on or whatever. Okay. It's that bloke that was so convinced by Q that he sent pipe bombs to people, right? There's that bloke that was so convinced by Pizzagate that he went and shot up the basement that didn't exist. Like, it's the same thing. You, you, you've got people are so enamored in it that you've got secondary groups and stuff that are also, again, all of this will be um, manipulated, right? Okay. Like the Proud Boys and stuff like that, they're, they're also connected. But with Q, it's that thing that is so coalescing as well. You've got this demographic, you sort of, but for want of a better expression, you sort of wrestling fans in this sort of like demographic. And then because it is so polarizing, you've got the people who are, it, it causes all sorts of different things. There will be a, a demographic of people who are like, stop it, Q people, because you're ruining Trump. But we still should support Trump. 
Do you know what I mean? So again, it's like the same thing, right? Okay. Nobody's discussing whether Trump is a decent person, decent politician, is doing what he's saying. Everyone's discussing whether QAnon's real or not. In the same way that nobody's discussing whether there's uh, police violence, uh, institutional racism against black people um, uh, in the UK and in America, and let's face it, the Western world. We're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, or we're talking about the fact that a riot happened or something like that. It's, a, it's about shifting the narrative in all of these things. And it's, it, it's very subtle some of the time to the point where basically like the original point never gets discussed because basically then when you've got these things like, for example, QAnon, right? Okay. If you believe that, that Hillary Clinton is part of an adrenochrome drinking sect, right? It doesn't matter how many things I show you about Donald Trump that prove he's bad because you're already on, you're like, we're on A, you're on G, right, okay? And you've got to track back through all of those misconceptions. This is how the COVID stuff has worked as well, because it's all founded in misconceptions, right? Uh, but those become truisms. I was watching somebody, we're a year into this, a year into this, and people are still saying, it's never been isolated. Yes, it has, thousands of times. Oh, it's never been, going to, been shown to go through Coke's postulate. Yes, it has. It just has. Like, it just has. Like, you can Google it right now and find it. They put it through macaque monkeys and all sorts. But it's these, but, but do you see what I mean? If we can't have a discussion about measures like masks or mm. lockdowns, efficacy of vaccines, or sensible ways of containing it, because, right. you, because you don't believe it exists. Yep. And yeah, and that's really convenient, isn't it? Because then we're not going to discuss the vaccines. We're not going to discuss the vaccine passports, the creation of a second-class citizenry if they don't follow these um, the mandates and stuff. And it also, if you're kind of opposing some of the, the, the harsher measures like the masks and stuff and trying to bring up, well, these might not be safe, they could make things worse for people, it, you're going to be associated with the people who are calling it a total psyop. Yeah, and, it doesn't and that exist. Again is, yeah, and that's again that's by design. It's caused division. Like, and I hate to massively, massively oversimplify, but it's the cokes again, right? I know this. Like, basically, the, the long and short of it is this, right? Okay, when the first lockdown started, or when it was, when basically it was hinted that lockdowns were going to start in February last year, right? Okay oil went into negative equity. And so the donors of the GOP and the donors of the British Conservative Party, who just so happened to be basically the fossil fuel industry, said, do everything you can to resist lockdowns. Do everything you can to resist stopping international travel. Do everything that you can to stop, uh, to, to stop air travel from stopping. They wanted people driving, going to work on planes because they didn't want to lose any more money, right? Okay, so this is again, the fundamental misconception that everybody's got. That basically, oh, this has all been designed to get us into lockdown. No, if you actually look at it, the governments have done literally everything that they can to avoid the, the lockdown and to just basically keep things ticking over. I know people aren't going to like that, but if you look at it, it's true. 
But this is the point. By tying, this is the other point, right? Okay. When we're discussing, we're saying we're having this argument about um, uh, whether like it, uh, masks or whether it's even been isolated or this or the lockdown or blah blah blah. Do you know what the fundamental point of that is to do? Is to make you question how many people are dead in America at the minute? What's about half a million people? Nearly six hundred thousand people? Not if it wasn't real. Who benefits from that? Yeah. The government. The government that failed you. So here's the sad thing, truthers. When you're actually spitting that crap, saying, oh, it's not been isolated, the tests don't work, oh, they fudged the figures and stuff like that. That was actually, that was a, that was a, a mind control program by the UK government, directly from the nudge unit. It's making people question the validity of everything to do with COVID. Why? So that the government did better. You've been tricked been tricked into giving the government an alibi because when you're questioning whether the tests work, questioning the death certificates, questioning um, whether the virus actually exists, et cetera, et cetera, what you're doing there is you're questioning the number of people who were allowed to die by the government. You've been tricked, tricked into giving the government an alibi. And sadly, the, the alternative media basically uniformly went for it. And it was based on um, a misconception, the misconception right at the start that it hadn't been isolated properly or hadn't been isolated at all. And then further misconceptions like that the PCR tests don't work. You know, if the PCR tests don't work. Can someone explain to me what is the point of them? What are they for? Right. Right. Why, why have they been in existence? I've seen loads of people. You can't use it for diagnosing diseases. But it's weird because the patent says that you can. And I'd love to, for you to explain to me what they're actually for if they're not for that. It's the other stupid thing. But Carrie Mullis said, Carrie Mullis said this. It's like, who cares what Carrie Mullis said? Carrie Mullis used to talk to a day-glow raccoon from outer space that lived on his back garden. Carrie Mullis is batshit crazy, right? And, and and again, who cares if he said that, right? If I if 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 Max Daimler said cars don't work, would that mean that cars didn't work? No, it wouldn't, would it? Let's just take aside that one misconstrued sentence from Carrie Mullis and go, all right, show me an experiment that shows they don't work. Ignore what somebody said. Show me it not working. And then explain to me, if it doesn't work, what's the point of it and why have we used it since 1985? Right. Like, again, it's yeah. misconceptions and confirmation biases. Right. right. That's, what, that's what's so silly about the whole thing. But hey-ho. But again, that's information warfare. And why is it important that you give an alibi to the government? Well, because then the government stays in. And who then benefits? The donors, the donors, the fossil fuel industry, the very same people who were telling you these lies in the first place. Like it was Coke Industries that were behind the um, film, the hospitals uh, um, thing to try and <laughs> prove that this was, yeah, it was actually the wow. CMP and Jason Jones, right? Okay, but they're connected. It was Coke Industries that were behind the, uh, the anti-mask marches. It was Coke Industries that were behind the anti-lockdown. And it's Coke industries that have been lobbying both the American government and the UK government to, to basically pursue a policy of herd immunity, right? Yes. It's 
just it just is right okay and so again i'm really sorry because this is going to annoy people but basically by doing all this viruses don't exist oh blah 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 you've you've so totally fallen into their trap and again this is just not my say so this this came out from from a group called uh, two places economic insight and surgroup communications what they are economic insight is uh, basically the pr arm of the, the uk treasury right so you know the, the equivalent of the federal reserve the money why would the uk treasury want people to keep going to work i wonder well to keep the economy ticking over where else did this idea come from the idea that basically lockdowns kill more people the the um than they save the idea of uh, of masks not working the idea of the tests not working the idea of uh, of um, the the death certificates being fiddled it came from uh, sir Gru communications which is it's the PR arm of the nudge unit. The nudge unit is, is basically behavioral insight. It is the UK mind control unit. Wow. Yeah, that's so that's crazy. where this all came from. And for people who don't know what the CNP is, the Council for National Policy is sort of like, um, I guess you could describe it as like a, a right-wing version of like the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR, which yeah everybody in the alternative media talks about the CFR constantly and how they're basically the shadow government, but nobody talks about the CNP, their, you know, their counter organization, right? Well, I mean, part of that is because basically they have a similar policy to the mafia in as much as basically not only are you supposed to deny that you're a member of the CNP, you're supposed to deny that the CNP as an organization exists. Wow. They do actually have a website, I know. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I know it's stupid, isn't it? But they're essentially they were founded. They were an offshoot of the Heritage Foundation, and the Heritage Foundation basically came out of the John Birch Society, and specifically the sort of oil-rich end of the John Birch Society. Fred Koch, Fred Trump, or I know he's not oil, but you know all of these people. And they wanted the Heritage Foundation was initially founded to be um, a right-wing or conservative lobbying group that could uh, rival the Brookings Institute because they, they figured out basically like, oh, lobbying is a thing, brilliant, right? If we can have influence and if we can get like-minded people together, we can pool our money and resources and we can throw it at politicians and ultimately get them to do what we wanna do. And so the Heritage Foundation, for example, they, they have the, the mandate for leadership, which is the document that Reagan uh, followed to the letter. Um, actually, Clinton and Obama followed certain elements of it. Uh, Bush followed it and um, um, your man Donald Trump followed, followed it to the letter as well. So they're dictating policy. The Heritage Foundation was founded by Paul Weyrich um, and um, the, the Koch brothers and, oh, sorry, the Koch's father. Um, but with the help of some very, very interesting people, essentially, again, it's the fossil fuel industry and the wealthy sort of right wing, particularly sort of like there's an element of extreme right wing, um, you know, fascist and uh, Nazi supporting world anti-communist league type people. Um, and again, I'm not being hyperbolic. You know, anybody that, that doesn't like a salad is a Nazi. I'm saying that, they, you know, these are proper running death squads in South America, Nazis. Um, they, they were also founded with money from the, um, the was it Kasahara and Kanada, Kanada, I think. I may have got those names brutally wrong, but there were two Japanese fascists that were employed by the um, OSS to basically, like, you know, murder people and steal money for them. Um, 
And they, along with a gentleman called the Reverend Sung Myung Moon, who some people may have heard of the cult the moon is, or the, the Unification Church of God, doesn't exist as such anymore. It's, it's morphed into a sort of weapons heavy version of Christianity connected to a, a, a company called Car Hair Arms that Donald Trump just offers to work, do certain things with. And they, they, they have on the cross, for example, uh, Jesus is holding a, uh, a golden AK-47, I believe. Oh my uh, gosh. I, I, I believe so. And, uh, it's been a long time since I went to Bible school, but that doesn't seem canonically correct to me. Um, but um, basically the Heritage Foundation was also founded with, with seed money from the Unification Church of Sun Myung Moon. What's interesting about the Unification Church of Sun Myung Moon was they were basically set up with seed money from the KCIA. The KCIA was set up by the American CIA, um, and it's, it's blatantly a mind control MK Ultra plan. But essentially, the KCIA, the CIA finance the KCIA. The KCIA finance the the, the Unification Church of uh, Sun Myung Moon, and uh, they finance the Heritage Foundation. Hence, the CIA actually financed the Heritage Foundation. And this is exactly the same with the CNP. The CNP is a higher level of think tank that is even more secretive. Members include Pence, Kellyanne Conway, Steve Bannon, Mercer, um, various other people uh, connected with the, the, the DeVos family, for example, various other people connected to the um, Trump administration. Um, oh, who's that? That uh, the the former uh, chap. He looks like a little old man um, and uh, miserable southern guy. Like anyway, a series of Scott Pruitt and Mick Mulvaney and various other people all all connected to these these think tanks, basically. Wow. So, but but this is again. This, these are the the establishment connected essentially not only to the elites of the world, but both to, but to the um, intelligence agencies through financing and through the, the sort of policy decisions that they, they the Heritage Foundation and the Atlas Group has used basically to, to wage soft war in various other places through sort of lobbying and, and like, you know, um, overturning union um, unions and, and, and that sort of thing, organizing death squads, murdering people opposed to Coca-Cola, you know, classy stuff like that. Yeah, right. Uh, but here's the thing, Trump had to audition in front of both of those think tanks before they allowed him to be the, uh, the candidate. And uh, like the Heritage Foundation has such influence in, in 2008, Rudy Giuliani was supposed to be the candidate, right? And he was looking like he was going to do really, really well. And the Heritage Foundation essentially threw a strop because they didn't like Rudolf Giuliani and, and specifically they didn't like his uh, attitude towards abortion, I believe. And so what they said was that basically if you, if the Republican Party runs with him as a candidate, we'll take all our lobbying power and all our money and we'll support a third, third candidate. Thus, dis, you know, just knackering that year's run. Mm -hmm. uh, and they came to an agreement that basically John McCain would be the candidate, but only if he basically ran to Heritage Foundation policies and had Sarah Palin, who is Heritage and CMP, as his, um, as his uh, uh, you know, uh, potential vice president. And they're also connected through um, Billy Graham, who was a member of both organisations, he was the mentor to Douglas Coe. Douglas Coe is the chap who set up the uh, C Street Group, or uh, also known as the Family. 
um, you know, the people that run the um, um, the prayer breakfast. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, well, well, the base of the gist of this is that, again, this is an organization that has an incredible sway over domestic and sometimes foreign policy. And so from all of these angles, you're basically getting the same people doing the same things because they've got the same agenda. And what's really, really horrible about this is that basically Tucker Carlson, Turning Point, Breitbart, all of these things have been lauded recently, particularly by members of the alternative media. And just in the same way that basically they've been tricked into um, providing an alibi for the government with this COVID nonsense um, against, you know, against the, their knowledge, um, they were tricked in the same way, basically supporting the candidates and the policies of the Koch brothers to, to, be, <laughs> to totally simplify it. Wow. That's what you've been tricked into doing. And this is because basically the alternative media was like gamers, a, an enclosed group where basically you know what's going to tick their boxes, you know what's going to do this. And you know what they did? They jumped in and, and they started really heavy-handedly. Can you remember about probably about eight years ago when there was all the Hitler stuff floating around, like basically like Holocaust denial and Holocaust oh, yeah. and then a resurgence of David Irving and blah, 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 blah. They're testing the waters, aren't they? Like, this is the point, like, and again, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but some of these people are genuinely card-carrying Nazis that have got, like, really, really strong, strong views on that sort of thing. Like, you know, America First, we came from the Regionary family, which is initially, it was a Nazi slogan. And the Regionary family is the, the people who were behind, I mean, we saw the rise of the alt-right, the alt-right coined by Richard Spencer, financed through the NPI by the Regionary family. Regionary family just so happened to be Heritage Foundation and CNP. They're also basically huge fans of Donald Trump. They've published various um, books of his. Um, oh, what was the recent thing that I just discovered that Regionary Publishing um, did? Like they, they, they a cavalcade of, of, of the old right. And then basically wow. all from nowhere, we had all these people come up basically like Milo Yanapopoulos, Candice Owens, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, Charlie Kirk, Lawrence Southern, um, Stefan Molyneux, all saying exactly the same thing, all taking mm -hmm. a very distinct shift to the right, almost as if they were being paid for their views, right? And, and that's where it coalesced. And so all of a sudden, basically, before where there was forums and various different sort of news outlets and stuff like that, that became the go-to news source for the alternative media, the yep. alt-right. Yeah. And it was incredibly subtle the way that it sort of came sweeping in. And, and again, the way that they do this, this is massively oversimplified, but like it, it's true. It's, it's basically exactly the same thing that Donald Trump's mentor, Roy Cohn, the noted paedophile, did in the, um, uh, in the 50s and 60s. Anybody who disagrees with me is a communist. Anybody who disagrees with me is a communist. And you know what really gets a good old-fashioned communism, plain and simple, to quote Smokey and the Bandit? You know what gets, it's like, it's not though, is it? It just isn't. Like communism's become the new snarl word. You know how people used to basically go, but it's Muslim. And, and, and it's like, that's only scary to you because you don't know anything about it, right? This is the point about an enemy that you create. You've got to know just enough about it to be scared of, uh, of it. 
not enough about it to be able to recognize that this isn't that this just isn't it and also this group has to basically be impossible they have to be secretly right secretly they're desperately powerful in fact so powerful that they're going to change the world and take over everything that you do and force you to do this and force you to live like like uh like communist china and it's like really where are these people if they're so massive and insidious you know the muslims are massive and insidious how could they have got a platform to defend themselves the these groups that you the enemy that you dictate has got to be simultaneously perceived as incredibly scary and all-powerful and yeah in reality not be powerful to enough even to say uh excuse me that's not actually true could i please make a counter argument and, and it's the same mechanism again and again and again, and people fall for it again and again and again. Yeah, they do. I mean, we can see this with the FBI. Um, they were, you know, demonizing the civil rights movement. Then it was demonizing um, Christians in the 90s. Then it was demonizing Muslims after 9-11. And now it's white supremacists are everywhere behind every corner. And so we need to expand our powers and our mandate. Now we're going to wage a domestic war on terror and we're going to utilize all of the tools that we created to go after um, the Middle East and we're going to turn them inward against the American people themselves. And of yeah. course, you have public support for this because you've got people on the left saying, yeah, get those domestic terrorists, those violent extremists, you know, yeah. and like, because they hate. Trump supporters or whatever. And then you also have Trump supporters saying, yeah, label Antifa domestic terrorists and go uh, get them. Yeah, yeah. Now, it is slightly more complicated than that in as much as just in the same way that basically um, once you've sort of seeded, say, Muslim, the concept of Muslim terrorism and you've done atrocities in the Middle East and stuff like that, you get this secondary wave where basically people who feel disaffected join that cause, right? Mm -hmm. so, so you get people who put on a, bag, a badge and say, I'm ISIS now, or I'm Al Qaeda. They weren't, it's like a chap in like Bisbee, Arizona, putting on a blue rag and saying, I'm a crip now, right, okay? You're not really, but you'll you'll kill me just as good as like a, a, a like you know a, a, a legitimate crip say or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Now the problem is when you you approach something like uh, Islam, for example, and and the enemy was going to be like you know the, the essentially uh, a revamped mujahideen, okay? You've got a limited degree of the population that will get on board with that because it's essentially a minority group. The problem with this extolling of white supremacist values um, is that basically there's a lot of white people in America and there's a lot of white people in, in the UK um, and actually it has really taken hold like um, to, a, to a worrying degree. Yes, you are absolutely right that, that is used to demonize entire swathes and also to you know to, as a shorthand for this and it's also been done specifically so that the fbi and various other industries could have a have a, a pretext and a reason to surveil blah 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 the problem is again it's almost like that mind war thing that you're saying earlier because it's incredibly seductive uh, and do you know do you know it's not difficult. It's quite difficult to join um, Al-Qaeda or ISIS. There's certain things that you have to do. In order to join a white supremacist group, you just need to be white. 
Yeah. Right. And it's very, very seductive because basically just by existing, you're superior to people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is the thing. Like a lot of people say, and there's this nonsense and shit like this put about how can we can have Mexican pride, you can have gay pride, you can have this pride, but you can't have white pride. I'll tell you for why is because basically when you're talking about Mexican pride or gay pride or Italian pride, it's about culture and it's about please accept us as part of your wider establishment with white pride it's about genetics and telling people that you are better than them that's why you can't do it it's simple and you know that yeah like, but 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 again this is the point there's so many and i get it because people are disaffected and they've, they've right. been shit on and they've been shit on by Donald Trump specifically. Right. Okay, you can't fight Donald Trump, but you know who you can fight. You can fight people who are just as disaffected as you uh, and basically are in the minority, specifically the people that Donald Trump has told you to hate on the Muslims, the minorities, the whinging Black Lives Matter Marxists and stuff like that. They, again, that's not where you should be directing your anger. Right? OK, right. you're directing it here. But it's difficult and it's a double edged sword because not only is it easier to get a result doing it this way, result, but it makes you feel better. This you're in a hiding to nowhere. This is hard training. You've got to take time and blah, blah, blah. This is quick win, quick win, quick win. Right. And again, it, that's that's why I know I come across as really, really sort of critical here. Um, but I am sympathetic because basically, again, these are the mechanisms that are used to drag people into these, 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 these states of mind and these states of being. And it's all based on the preconceived understanding of what's the narrative. What is the narrative that started it? And again, I'll say it again, nobody in any of these groups, nobody in ISIS thinks they're bad. Right. No, <laughs> they're not. They're fighting the great Satan. <laughs> right that, that that's the point and and yeah it might seem a bit extreme to blow yourself up um uh, but the ends justify the means in their ide ideology and it's the same principle it's just the same principle time and time again like um and that's why it's cruel because basically and this is why it's difficult to get people out of stuff like QAnon, right? Is because the reason they were attracted to it was because it preyed on their fears and their um, um, their justified sense of unfairness. And so, you know, when you're taking that away from them, not only are you take their back to square one, perhaps even before square one. But then you've also got the added, oh, well, I wasted two years of my life or four years of my life. And, and the, the, the react, reactive shame, like people will do incredible uh, mental gymnastics to paint themselves as, as right. Uh, and again, this is, this is exacerbated by social media because you've always got an audience that's basically you know judging you or like or is perceived to be judging you usually they're not to be quite honest i mean usually when you're on social media you'll go past people and, and your judgment is not that important is it like you'll go oh that person's a fool whatever blah 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 don't matter doesn't matter really doesn't matter like but but again opinions it's all about opinions and people's opinion of you and people's opinion of them and stuff like that. And it's like, it's, it's this 
there's a, there's a hyper reality that's been created where where all of a sudden like things that frankly aren't that important um, are, are deemed to be hugely hugely important because because they are character building. And I don't mean that in the sense of actually building character. I mean that in an almost RPG sense, it's, it's adding to your character. And, and, and that's, that's the problem is that basically, you know, once you're in this game, there's, there's rules and mechanisms to the game. And lots of people don't even realize that they're in a game. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, um... To wrap it up here, what would you tell people? What would be your advice for people who are um, that may not be aware that they've been manipulated? What, how? What would you say to them um, to try to maybe get them to re-examine uh, their how they got the beliefs that they have? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, first off, um, I, I don't know if I'm doing this in the right order, but it's perfectly okay to be wrong. Right. Again, because of social media and stuff like that, it's like deemed the worst thing in the world. Like, oh, that's your credibility gone, blah, 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 blah. Again, that's that's a real hyper reality, oversimplified sort of version of thing. You're perfectly right to be wrong. In fact, do you know how you get right by being wrong? People who like experts of subjects are experts of subjects because they've been wrong about it more times than you've even tried that's that's how you learn that by being wrong and, and being pointed out how you're wrong and going okay that's it i did a book about charles manson right okay it wasn't until i was halfway through it that i realized oh no my entire premise is wrong i've discovered some evidence that basically means i'm gonna to have to scrap this and start all over again now i could have just ignored that and just cracked on but what's the point? Really, what's the point? Right, okay. And isn't that more exciting, really, when you find out the truth? Isn't this the point? Because, again, because they're playing on people's stresses and fears, people want reassurance rather than the answers. And it's personalised as well, to the point where basically, like, well, if you disagree with that premise, then, it's, then I don't know if I trust you as a person, because it's almost as if you're calling me an idiot. And it's like, well, not, not quite. But um, but yeah, so it's, it's perfectly okay to be wrong. And, and you need to check where your information is coming from and why these people might be, um, might be saying it. One thing that I found out, particularly when I've been doing sort of books and stuff like that, is when you're trying to discover whether um, like a piece of evidence is valid or not, you need to find the source of it. Um, and, and that's not, it can, you know, doesn't always, it's not as cut and dry as that. But if you can say, right, here's the premise. Who first said it? Where did they say it? Why did they say it? And then that gives you an insight as to whether that information is valid. Because if you can figure out how they came to that understanding, then you can you can find it out. And if it did, and if you discover that they came to that understanding because of a political reason or some sort of bias or some sort of like ulterior motive, then hopefully you can you can realise that basically got you. Okay, I see. That's that that's not to be trusted anymore. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and uh, doing this interview. And I will. Um, put the link up in this video to your website where people can find your books. I highly recommend the book on Cambridge Analytica that has all of your sort of blog posts on there and other information that I think maybe you didn't have at the time that you added in there. Yeah, It's very yeah, interesting.
Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one because, as I say, is uh, I, I wrote a blog which you can is is available for free, but basically then then I sort of put it out, and so the book is really me learning as as you're learning. Um, at some point, I'll probably do another one that's a bit sort of like you know a bit more sort of straightforward and stuff like that. But but yeah, hopefully, it, like people like it. It's um, it, it's you know it, it's it's it drip feeds it to you as well because basically it is a very very sort of complicated story. Uh, and it so is. in many ways that that is kind of like like the best way to sort of figure it out basically you know learning a bit at a time and sort of going back and going all oh, right okay remember this bit this is how it fits into this really so so but but thank you thank you very much yeah there's so many different parts to it i mean it's crazy so many different players involved so many different companies because they use shell companies and stuff it's just really convoluted and I think it takes some time to um, to figure it out, but also your thoughts are not your own. That I highly recommend as well, because a, so much of the beliefs that we have are coming from this environment in this ecosystem that it's not necessarily who you think that you're getting this information from. It has the appearance of a grassroots or organic thing, but a lot of times there are people behind that that are directing it. So, um, you know, I think it's important that people consider that. All right, well, thank you for coming on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you. Bye. Yes, honey.